To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. Twelve years ago, MJ BizCon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. So let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Las Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations, and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, snag your ticket to MJ BizCon in October. And you are eligible for the 31 days of giveaways and promotion going on right now. So hurry, get your ticket today. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. That's 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your ticket at mjbizcon.com. That's mjbizcon.com. You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today is Victoria Grand Surridge from Minneapolis, Minnesota, whose 14-year-old son, Julian, suffers from severe autism and seizure disorder, as well as other medical complications. In February of last year, the boy became extremely aggressive and was having rages. Eventually, the rages turned into life-threatening self-injury. Julian was hospitalized three times between October of last year and January of this year. Victoria, when did you first notice that something was different in Julian's development? When Julian was first born, he had some difficulty with colic and even latching onto the breast. Um, and, And he was just a little bit off as a baby. But I do feel that Julian is a vaccine-injured child, and I did receive a flu vaccine while I was pregnant, as well as several Rogam shots. And so um, Julian wasn't 100% at birth, but he was developing very normally up until his first birthday when he received uh, the MMR vaccine and several other vaccines. And then shortly after that, Uh, we started to notice that he was regressing very, very rapidly. So Julian is a case of classic vaccine injury, and within a year of that time, he was diagnosed with autism. You know, I've heard a lot of stories of parents who had children, and their children were fine until they started getting these multiple vaccinations. And you, you are a perfect example of that. It's very unfortunate, Ian. And, um, you know, until people start believing the parents were still looked at as, um, you know, crazy. And it's just it's ludicrous because the the rate that autism is going up in our country and in our world is absolutely astonishing. And there's there's no mystery. It's the vaccines. That's my opinion and the opinion of many other parents like myself. Have you talked to many parents who have had vaccine injured children? Oh, thousands and thousands and thousands of parents, and I am mm. connected with, with many of them, both in my everyday life and also on Facebook, and, and I keep in touch with them, and I go to conference with the, conferences with them regularly. And so my, my belief is that Julian suffered from brain encephalitis, 
and that that brain encephalitis has been causing him a great deal of discomfort all through his life. Now, tell me what a typical day was like for you with Julian. Prior to starting cannabis? Yes. Uh, Well, when Julian was younger, he was extremely hyperactive and always seemed to be in pain and discomfort. He's had both gastro gastro issues as well as uh, he started um, having grand mal seizures when he was about eight years old. And he would have sometimes 30 or 40 of those a day for a few years. Uh, They slowed down a bit. He still has motor tics and um, he has, you know, absence seizures regularly. Uh, Julian is mostly nonverbal. He has some language, uh, but he's not conversational. He can make some of his needs known. He's had difficulty with sleeping. So it's really a 24-7 job with him. But he had always been an extremely affectionate and happy person with autism up until February of last year when he had turned 13. Um, It's my belief that when puberty enters into the picture and there's more testosterone surging through their veins and they also have the brain encephalitis, that it causes terrible headaches. And so Julian was trying to show us by raging that he was in pain. And I always knew that it was pain with him. And then as the year went on, he began to turn the, uh, the rages towards himself. I didn't think there was anything worse than watching him attack my husband or having him attack me, but uh, I was wrong. Watching him hurt himself was, was the most horrendous feeling in all of my life. Well, you know, Victoria, we've uh, seen the photo of your son in hospital, and it's gut-wrenching, and the before and after picture, it's really actually quite amazing, the change in him. And it's only been three months that he's been on cannabis, so um, I really think that it saved his life. I mean, it, it got to the point with him where we had him in helmets. I mean, he would wear two helmets, a rugby helmet tight to his head, and then a boxing helmet over that. He was trying to place heavy objects on his head all the time, whether it be couch cushions or weighted blankets or, you know, whatever he could do to get pressure on his head. I knew he was in pain. And, you know, the doctors in the hospital in Minneapolis here, they they really did their best and they tried to partner with me. We ran a lot of tests. Um, They weren't able to find anything concrete. I told them that I believed that it was head pain and migraine, you know, migraine head pain and that I felt that it was encephalitis and they, they couldn't totally disagree with me, but there was no way really to prove it. And when I told them that he was um, a, a child who had vaccine injury, they didn't dispute that, but for them to admit that the vaccines caused this would be to admit that maybe they're not totally safe, which I think we all know, but um, you know, they basically left me with, with no hope in the hospital. They, they really wanted to help, but there wasn't anything they could offer me. The only things that they offered me were psychiatric medications, which I was so desperate at one point in October, I actually even tried putting him on some Risperdone, but it didn't do anything at all. Um, they offered me gabapentin, which is a seizure med that's also used for neuropathic pain, and that didn't stop anything. So they just kept sending me home with him, and he was unsafe at every time he would hurt himself to the point where I couldn't keep him safe at home. 911 would be called. We would take him by ambulance to the hospital. They would admit him. And by the third time, I was like begging them for a better solution. And I said, I, I can't put him on opiates or narcotics because I'm not making my son into a drug addict. And we all also know that opiates have a very debilitating effect on the gastro system. I mean, Julian has motility problems to begin with, and we know that opiates cause 
constipation. They're so addictive. It's it's not anything that I would want for my son. So I started um, asking them if they knew of anybody that would write the prescription for medical cannabis for him because he does have the qualifying condition of the seizure disorder. He also has uh, uncontrollable muscle spasm and motor tics, so that's another qualifying condition. So he had, and he has very Tourette's-like behaviors, which is also a qualifying condition here. So he qualified on three different levels, but unfortunately, autism is still not a qualifying condition in my state, which is is terrible, and I'm going to be working very hard to try to get that changed because I do have so many friends who have autistic children who are also suffering, and you know whether it's pain or behavior, it doesn't matter, right? Because if you find the medicine that stops the pain, if you find the medicine that stops the behavior, then that's going to keep that child safe and living at home and free from harm. I mean, my son had fractured his skull in six places and had terrible tissue damage. So wouldn't it be great if we could get that as a qualifying condition in Minnesota? And I'm really going to work hard for that because these kids, whether it's pain or behavior, and I know it's pain, they deserve better than what they're getting right now. And he couldn't have gotten cannabis had he had he just had autism. He had to have one of the qualifying conditions. How but did, in the sh- sorry to interrupt. Sorry. How, how did you first stumble upon cannabis as a possible uh, as something that potentially could assist him? Well, I've been, you know, researching um, biomedical interventions for my son for over 10 years, and we do a lot of um, we do a lot of work with him. We make sure that um, he's on a very clean, organic diet, uh, non-GMO, grain-free. It's very paleolithic. Um, everything's organic that we feed him. I go to conferences every year in May. Uh, I go to the Autism One conference. It will be held in Colorado this year in May. And that's um, done by the Autism Research Institute. And so I've just been researching every intervention that I think would be applicable for Julian. And there's been a a focus on cannabis the last few years. And last year, I started thinking at the conference, because he had started raging in February. I was there in May, and they were talking about cannabis. And I said, maybe this would be a good intervention for my son. And as time went on, and as we became more desperate to help him and to try to save his life, I felt that it was the only hope for him. What was your attitude to, towards cannabis prior to this? Um, you mean just based on, you know, the how people feel about cannabis? I mean, I, I've, you know, I think it's a very clean and natural product. I, I, I guess, you know, just growing up being organic and, and clean living and, and everything, I never really thought much of it. I, I was never, you know, recreational, like really into it, but um you know, a lot of friends and, and, and relatives, you know, like marijuana, that's fine. I mean, I have no problem with it. And I didn't have any hangups about it at all. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's been so many years that I've been researching interventions for my son, and it was always kind of like, in the back of my mind, you know, I, I didn't have any hang up about it whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I thought that it would be such a better choice to put him on something that's clean and organic with no additives that's not going to damage his internal organs and that's you know it's neuroprotectant it's anti-inflammatory it's it's a plant it's you know it's natural victoria was <laughs> has he has julian been on a slew of meds his entire life pretty much oh yeah he's he's rotated uh with different things different seizure meds that didn't help him um different psych meds that didn't help him um, different meds to help him with sleep because he has difficulty sleeping. And and nothing really was that breakthrough medication for him. 
we, we never saw anything that, that did for him what cannabis has done for him. Now, is he on uh, CBD or THC or a blend? He's on a blend of both. Um, he gets higher doses of CBD, and um, I feel that that has really helped to reduce the inflammation in his whole system. So uh, he gets quite a bit of that. And then he's on um, a low to moderate dose of THC, and, and both of them are hybrid blends from the dispensary here in Minnesota. And um, so I give them at the same time, but they come out of separate bottles. How soon did you notice a difference? Well, in the beginning, we weren't giving him the higher THC. We were just giving him, because they wanted to make sure that he wouldn't have additional seizures, so they didn't want to go too high with THC um, in the very beginning. So we were just giving him the 20 to 1 ratio of the CBD plant, and um, that was not really doing enough for him. And so within nine days, I had to go back to the pharmacy and beg them for something stronger because his rages and his self-injury, it was not really subsiding. So then they gave me another product that's um, mostly THC dominant, and they gave me instructions on how to give it to him so that it would be kind of like um, a 10 to 1 ratio. So he's he's still not getting a tremendous amount of THC, but the THC was what started to help him. And I think it was probably about three weeks into his treatment that we started to see some real improvement because I think that the THC is really managing his pain and his anxiety. And now he's been on it for 12 weeks now, so it's only been three months. And I would say that the past three weeks have been the most miraculous of all because in the past three weeks we have seen absolutely, and I'm not kidding you, not one episode of self-injury. This was a child that was punching himself in the head 3,000 times a day. I could not stop him from doing it. Yeah, you 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 wrote that it sounded like a hammer, a hammer on a watermelon. That's that's how I would be woken in the night. I mean, I was sleeping like not soundly at all. And you know, imagine being awoken to the sound of your son punching himself in the head. It sounded like somebody hitting a watermelon with a hammer. That's what it sounded like, and it was horrifying because it was my son's head, you know, and we couldn't stop him from doing it. We were putting helmets on him. We were putting these, um, they're called uh, no-nos. The, the pediatrician had suggested that we use them for him. They're, they're arm, uh, arm guards, like, so that he can't bend his arm. So it's like an arm immobilizer, like if you break your elbow or something, mm-hmm. so that he couldn't actually get his, his arm bent to punch himself in the face. This is how serious it was. They, and he was, it was like he couldn't stop himself. Nothing would stop it. And now, so for about three weeks, we haven't seen him do it one time. School hasn't seen him do it one time. Like, it's it's not happening. I'm shocked. Well, the pictures are shocking. The pictures Corey showed me on your Facebook page this morning yeah. of the, the before and after picture and what your son is like now, it, they're just so dramatic. It's unbelievable. You know, him, him with the big smile and doing the whole eye contact thing with you and out walking with his dad. Oh, it's it's miraculous. It's nothing short of a miracle. I had really hoped that cannabis would help him, but it, it far surpassed my wildest dreams for recovery for him. And that's why I think it's so important that it gets into the hands of more people and, and specifically people with autism and self-injury and rages really need this medicine. Um, and so I really want to work hard to get this as a qualifying condition in Minnesota because it's not enough that my son was saved. I would love to see other children have a better life. 
Think of all that could be accomplished if our children weren't in pain. Think of how productive they could be. He's learning now. He's paying attention to books and music and looking at pictures and he's really connecting with me. And even his speech has increased a little bit. It's it's dramatic. You're right. Victoria, does he go to school at all? He does go to school. Um, he goes to a program for the most severe children in the area. Um, there's only about 14 or 15 children in his school, and he has one-on-one instruction all day. And since he's been on cannabis, you know, he used to never want to be with any of the other students. But since he's been on cannabis and he's feeling better, the school's reporting to me that he's able to walk down to the gym with the other students. He's going to recess. He's in rooms where there are other children and they're making noise. And he's not having any adverse reaction to that. So that is really incredible. It sounds really like things are starting to click within his brain. And I think so, yes. Yeah, before it was just it was just turmoil inside. And uh, I mean, I'm just guessing at the moment, but you, you know better than I do. But once he received the cannabis, the high THC, and things started to relax and he could function. Correct. Correct. I mean, imagine how you would feel if you were trapped in a body that was in pain constantly. And then not only that, but you didn't have the expressive language to tell others that you were in pain. And then people just wrote you off as having bad behavior. Imagine how debilitating that was to his um, to his self-esteem, to his confidence. And you can't learn anything when you're in excruciating pain. And it's it's really amazing to see One of the things that he's doing, again, which he used to do, he was always an affectionate boy before all this happened, but one of the things that he's been doing is he's showing all of the people that are in his life how happy he is by making very deep eye contact and giving hugs and so much affection, almost as if to say, like, thank you, mom, thank you, dad, like, I feel better. And so I constantly talk to him and I tell him that I never gave up on him and that I always believed in him and I always knew that he was in pain, and I'm sorry that it took me so long to figure out what medicine he needed to help him. And I said, please, honey, just forget about those bad times now because it's over and you're not going to feel like that anymore because we have the right medicine for you now. And he gets really happy when I say that because receptively he understands everything. He's just expressively not able to... to um, to articulate his feelings. Victoria, it would be interesting to circle back to you in six months and see where your son is, because I have a feeling this is just the beginning. Certainly with the experience that um, I've had with uh, children with autism and even the people we've interviewed, Ian, it's amazing how much and how much further that he's probably going to come. That really gives me so much hope, Corey, because, you know, He is so severe, and I hope someday that he'll be able to have something that he enjoys doing, whether it be a job or a day program. I'm very realistic about how severe my child is, and I accept him totally. I just don't want him to be in pain and to be sick. And so if he could manage to get some skills and be able to take a little bit of care of himself and get some self-help skills, we've been working on all these things, but it's been terribly difficult for him and so I think that if he if he's feeling good, he's going to be able to learn, and he can be so much more productive. So I think, think it'll make think, all the difference, yeah. yeah. Think of my son as just being one kid, and think about the hundreds of thousands of kids that are being diagnosed with autism every day. And if they could feel better, because I think what a lot of people don't understand is that 
autism, especially severe autism, is often medical, and it's, in my, my case, almost always medical. Every parent that I know who has a child with severe autism has a similar story to mine. And so if we can get them feeling better, you know, shouldn't we do that? And, you know, I know he was vaccine injured, but I don't want to live there because I feel enough guilt over that. I want to live in the solution. You know, I want to live in what we can do to make it better for him and others like him now. We uh, had a four-year-old who was completely nonverbal, and we got him started on a CBD THC blend, and that child actually started talking. How beautiful. And something I wanted to mention to you before I forget, I'm talking just seizures now. I'm not talking about autism. We'll see children whose seizures are controlled really, really well with CBD, and Mm -hmm. then when they hit puberty, all of a sudden their seizures aren't handled anymore with CBD. When we, put, right. when we throw THC into the mix, then the seizures are handled. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, I am still seeing a little bit of breakthrough seizure activity, but it's not, you know, he's not having tons of grandma seizures like he did when he was a bit younger. Um, he would have, you know, 30 or 40 tonic-clonic seizures a day at times. Um, but now it's, it's a lot of like um, the facial and motor tick type things and his body is it jerks uncontrollably at times and i can see like muscle spasming things just don't function properly in my son and i think that the cannabis has made a world of difference i mean even right down to something like his bowel motility my son has had constant and chronic constipation issues all his life and um We've had to have a whole protocol to get him to go to the bathroom. And just the anti-inflammatory properties in the plant have helped him to have so much better bowel movement. You know, each day he's having a really formed and, you know, I know it's kind of like icky to talk about, but it's so important. I mean, think of the pain that these kids are in when they can't move their bowels properly. And this has helped him with all the inflammation in his body. And now his GI is working so much better. The doctor was ready to put a port in, one of those ACE ports. And I said, let me just see if the cannabis works. And sure enough, we don't need to modify my son's body and put an ACE port in now. What is the medical community's reaction been to your use of cannabis and the difference it's made in your son's health? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, the doctors from Children's Hospital in Minneapolis were, you know, they were really collaborative and they were very kind people, but they were unable to prescribe this or, or get this for me. I had to go to a private practitioner for it. Um, and I have kept in touch with them and I have sent them photographs of him and how he's doing now. And they've been really excited. And one of um, his doctors, this neurologist, she's a really nice lady. She wants to learn more now because she's intrigued. She has a lot of kids that she works with in her practice who are self-injurious and she wants to see if maybe this can help them too. So I'm, I'm glad that at least it's, it's making a dent. I feel that my son's story is something that has to be heard because maybe it will change people's minds about cannabis and what can be done to help these children. Yeah, you have a very wise neurologist there who has a very open mind and is willing to learn, whereas some of the other people in the medical community just uh, put their hands over their ears and don't want to hear about it. So you're very, very fortunate in that regard. I want to ask you a question. In a note you sent to us, you referred to those who judge you or tried to silence you. What sort of negative reaction have you received? 
Oh, well, um, the principal from my son's school and another um, another uh, administrative person started poking around and violating my HIPAA rights and asking a lot of questions to people, actually somebody that works in my home, about what was going on in my home. And uh, it was very evident that they had a problem with my use of medical cannabis for my son. And um, a couple of weeks ago, and now, mind you, I want to tell you, he's getting so much better and everyone at school can see it. But I felt very ambushed at a meeting one day and they were asking me a lot of questions about the cannabis. And I said, this is his medicine and you need to give it a chance to work. And within um, a short time after that, and he was getting better, I get a phone call one day from Child Protective Services that there's a call that's come in about me and about my family and our abuse or neglect of my son and of course I was horrified and um, it turns out that um, the school the principal of the school had reported us to CPS and um, you know of course they came and they thought that we were great parents and everything was dismissed but they they actually made up lies about us they told CPS that we were keeping him in four-point restraints and uh, restrained in his bed which was a lie and that we were giving him five enemas at a time which was also a lie and, um, you know, they were investigating us for, for things that were completely fabricated. And I believe, and it was the belief of the people from CPS, that the call was made in judgment because of what we've decided to use as his medication. So I have filed a formal complaint against the principal of the school and against the other administrative person. So that was pretty horrifying. And then, you know, of course, there are people that you know, they just don't want to talk to you anymore. And honestly, I really don't care because, you know, they're not coming over here and taking care of my son all day long. I have to do that. And I want to do that. And I want him home with me and I want him to be safe and healthy. And if I worried about the judgments of others, my son would have died like 10 years ago because I've done so many things to keep him healthy and alive. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm very strong in my convictions to taking care of my child. But these are the types of things that happen to parents like me who maybe go outside the box a little bit. And, you know, being a trailblazer is sometimes a very lonely journey. But you know what? It's my journey, and I'm very passionate about it. And I think that someday Julian's story will change the world and and hopefully help others in their recovery. You know, you're absolutely right. And here's what's crazy about this. You can give your son medication through a a plant, and uh, people freak out. But you give your son harmful psychiatric medications, pharmaceutical medications, and people are fine with that. Oh, absolutely. And I I walk around his school sometimes and I see these kids that are drooling, that are on like six different medications. I'm sure that they're on plenty of different things. As a matter of fact, one of those administrators said um, behind my back, well, they didn't give his psychiatric medications a chance to work. They didn't try the hard stuff with Julian prior to putting him on medical cannabis. I mean, these are the types of ludicrous statements that people make. Just blanket uh, statements. Understand the medicine. They don't understand it. They have no medical background. What has this done for you and your husband in terms of getting some sleep? Oh, well, Julian is sleeping um, pretty well. Sometimes he stays up a bit late, but he does sleep through the night. I just feel like a huge weight has been lifted. So I feel like my son is out of pain and I feel like I can rest. And honestly, it's just been such a short time that he's been feeling better that I think all the adrenaline is kind of starting to subside now. And I'm finally starting to relax. I mean, I was running on adrenaline 
for like a year. And so I feel constantly Mm -hmm. exhausted now because I'm not in that fight or flight mode all the time. So pretty tired. One of the things that Corey and I have discovered, Corey discovered this far sooner than I did, but people who have... uh, Parents who have children with uh, epilepsy and issues like Julian has really suffer from PTSD. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you probably are a victim of that as well, Victoria. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because PTSD is a qualifying condition here in Minnesota to receive medical cannabis. I'm sure I would probably benefit from it greatly, but it's not really something I'm going to pursue right now for myself. As you all know, when you're buying from a dispensary, it can run into quite a lot of money. So I'll just try to take some naps and not buy any medicine for myself. But I don't I don't mind to pay the money because it's given us our life back and it's given us our son back. I'll give up other things to make sure that he gets his medicine. And I will never live in a place where I can't obtain this medicine for him. It's so important for the quality of his life and ours. What is the legal status of cannabis in the state of Minnesota? So right now you do have to have that qualifying condition. Um, There are several. Uh, Autism is not one of them, but again, we were able to qualify him through some other other avenues. But um, we have no recreational use, and we only have two dispensaries in the state. We are not allowed to grow here either or extract it ourselves. You have to use the dispensary's medicine. Now, the CBD you're giving him, Victoria, do you know if that's coming from hemp or cannabis? That I'm not sure of. They don't really tell us exactly what blend it is, but I can tell you that it is working. (laughs) So I'm not really 100% sure, but it is working really well for him. Yeah. Yeah, you don't care where it comes from as long as it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) I actually do really care where it comes from. I know that they're telling me that it's organically grown here in Cottage Grove, Minnesota, that um, there are no additives to it. They're not adding anything to the medicine, and it's pure organic medicine. And um, I get his medicine from Leafline Labs, and they have a website. And they, they actually have been absolutely wonderful. They are a small you know, dispensary, and it seems like a very family, like the team is like a family that works there, and they're great. And uh, they celebrate every time I come in with like a great story. And they've told me that the medicine is pure and organic, so I, I tend to believe them. And he's doing so well, so... Um, I asked them, could he possibly get used to the strain that he's on and will we have to change it because we don't have a lot of options for customizing? And so what they said to me was that they are constantly doing research on new terpenes and trying to learn um, how to create different plants and strains. And, you know, hopefully we won't have to cross that bridge anytime soon. But I think that it's something that could possibly need to be tweaked in the future. And I think that they're really putting the research in for their patients. No, that sounds great. When you go to this conference in May in Colorado, is it going to deal with the use of cannabis for autism? I believe so. I think that's going to be a huge focus of the conference. It was a very big focus last year, um, but it was held in Chicago last year, and I believe that the reason why they changed the venue to Colorado was because it is a, a legal state where it's legal recreationally too. So if the parents wanted to sample something or try something or you know bring their kids there or whatever... I travel by myself and I meet friends there. And so I'm, I'm really going to be learning as much as I possibly can about new research. Uh, there's a doctor that reached out to me after seeing our picture on Facebook, Dr. Christian Bogner, 
And um, he's very big into this research, and he said that he's going to be unveiling a new nasal spray at the conference. So I think it's going to be very, very cannabis-focused this year. Victoria, it's a wonderful story. Uh, It's tragic what you had to go through and what Julian had to go through, but it is so encouraging that he's getting better and uh, life is changing for him. And uh, hopefully with the use of cannabis, he will improve and continue to improve and uh, grow up to be just a wonderful adult. Oh, thank you so much, guys. It was really a pleasure to do this call with you today. And I hope that maybe somebody out there who's struggling like my son can get some hope from, from our story and maybe get this miraculous plant for their children and for themselves if they need it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, Victoria. We very much appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. And that's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.